minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. This indeed is the Pack a Day Podcast. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thank you so much for making us part of your day. Welcome back to the Pack a Day Podcast. My name is Nick Schmitz, and today we got a lot going on with the podcast. We are, well, just about 24 hours away from Packers preseason game number two. Lots of excitement. First road game for the Packers with uh, Coach LaFleur. And uh, lots of interesting things going to be going on tomorrow night. The Packers offense has been reported that they're going to play about the first quarter of the game. So we'll get to see Aaron Rodgers for the very first time under Matt LaFleur's offense. That'll be fun and exciting to watch, plus the rest of the starters. That'll be interesting and be more, I, I guess, interesting in a lot of different ways, considering Aaron Rodgers last year only played one drive all of the preseason last year. So obviously lots of things that are new and different this year. Uh, But nonetheless, preseason game number two coming up in Baltimore tomorrow night. It'll be very exciting, and uh, I know we're all looking forward to the game. Joining me today is Jacob Westendorf. Jacob, you're going to be on with me every Wednesday now, and a few changes to the podcast team here you and i are going to be every wednesday now moving forward and uh, maggie lawler she's normally with us um and that's actually not her last name anymore so maggie forgive me for that but um jacob we have to say goodbye to owen owen has taken a coaching position with his uh, alma mater right is that correct uh not his alma mater but he is at uw whitewater so pulling out for my man's owen uh pound the rock we're excited for him to uh, move in that direction. I, I must say, in the time we were together for probably about six months or so, uh, I got to say I'm pretty disappointed because I thought for sure that this group specifically was going to get the Pack-A-Day podcast, the explicit tag on your podcast app, uh, and that did not happen. So I guess, Owen, since you're gone now, that is up to me to eventually carry that torch and screw that up. Um, but we're excited for him. I don't personally know who our new partner is. Um, I've never heard of her before, but I'm excited to get working with her. That ongoing joke, I guess. I maybe one day when maybe someday I'll I'll, I'll get the joke when I start working with both of you. But uh, uh, nonetheless, um, wish wishing Owen all the best. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll join us every so often as kind of a guest appearance. But for now, we say goodbye to Owen. We wish him the best of luck uh, with his new adventures at UW-Whitewater. So congratulations to him. Jacob, let's get into this. Please. I, I got to say, too, before we move on, Owen, we are expecting, like, sweet tickets to one of your guys' big games. Like, I fully anticipate being a guest of honor or something at some point. I mean, that and... I mean, considering that Jake Kumaro is now making the roster and he played at Whitewater, you know, maybe you can get us the hookups and get Kumaro on the podcast for us as well. So, um, yeah, lots of uh, lots of expectations for Owen to live up there, uh, live up to there. So that would break the internet. It would certainly <laughs> probably break the Pack a Day podcast. That uh, that is for sure. It'd be right up there with Kenny Clark and Tim Boyle. 
So, um, more anyway. popular. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, Jacob, preseason game number two tomorrow, and this is kind of something that'll happen almost before every preseason game. Uh, just talking about players to watch. Um, I know Maggie and Paul and I did it last week, going into preseason game number one, uh, and so. Obviously, things are going to be different this time around. We're actually going to get to see Aaron Rodgers, and it's not just going to be for him to hand the ball off three times. Um, it's kind of unclear right now, I guess, where the um, where the rest of the offense will be. I don't know if Aaron Jones is going to be participating in tomorrow's game or not with, his, with him just coming back from his injury. But uh, we'll get to see Aaron Rodgers in this new Matt LaFleur offense. And so, Jacob, kind of what are you most looking for with the offense in preseason game number two? Uh, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly because Baltimore's defense is terrifying. Even with some of the defections, I mean, obviously uh, Terrell Suggs, one of my favorite players, is not there anymore. He went to Arizona. I was kind of disappointed he didn't end up in Green Bay, but that's another story for another day. Um Earl Thomas is there. He's a very good player, obviously. This was one of the best in football all of last season. But, you know, my big thing with the offense is just, yeah, it's cool to watch the guys play, and I'm sure they need to work out some of the kinks, but I really don't need my quarterback getting hit in a game that's not going to matter. So three steps, get rid of it. If it's not able to get out in three steps, then just figure out a way to keep the ball out of your hands, keep the ball on the ground. Aaron Jones participated in team on Tuesday in practice. So I would assume he's going to play, uh, especially with the first-team offense. With I mean, considering uh, that Jamal Williams is not going to be playing because he hasn't practiced in almost three weeks now. Uh, the other thing that I'm really watching is who's getting reps with Aaron Rodgers because that's something we saw. I call it the Geronimo Allison. You know, a few years ago, Geronimo Allison made a play every single day in training camp, and that got him a spot on the roster that he probably otherwise would not have gotten and the way that you started to see that Geronimo Allison was starting to get uh, some trust and some reps was that he was repping with the number one offense, repping with Aaron Rodgers. Kind of the same thing happened last year with uh, Jake Kumaro, uh, to throw another name out there of a camp darling that, excuse me, made the roster by doing things that way. Um, so that's what I'm watching. You know, Is Robert Tanyan playing out there? Darius Shepard is somebody who I was at training camp on – uh, I was at training camp on Sunday, and it's the first practice I've seen in probably two years now because the one year last year I went up there and it got canceled because of rain, which really sucked. But, you know, stuff happens. And one of the things that I liked seeing was the tempo uh, and just the new energy that the team seems to have. Uh, that's a positive. But one of the players who caught my eye almost immediately was Darius Shepard. He ran a wheel route, and I know he's kind of become – you know, one of the guys, if you will, that's become someone to watch, and he's earned that, certainly. Um, so last Sunday when I was watching, he ran this wheel route and absolutely baked Adrian Amos. And, I mean, that's not Kentrell Bryce. That's not some training camp fodder. That's Adrian Amos, a safety who is being paid a lot of money by the Packers to be very good. And this isn't me saying that Adrian Amos isn't good because he is. He definitely looks like a player. Darius Shepard absolutely roasted him in one-on-ones because those are the things that are going to catch your attention. How a guy does against some guy, you know, the, the line is for those that have seen major league two, Willie Mays Hayes hits a home run in spring training. 
and the manager is pissed off about it because he told him to keep the ball on the ground, and he, he doesn't need the guy trying to hit home runs. He's paid to get on base. And Rube Baker, the catcher's in the dugout going, wow, Willie's really got some power. And Lou turns to him and goes, yeah, off a guy who will be bagging groceries in a couple weeks. And there's some truth to that. Uh, if Derry Shepard is baking guys that are bagging groceries, that's not a big deal. But we saw it last year. Jake Kumaro was beating guys in camp who were going to be bagging groceries in a couple weeks. And then he started beating some of the starters, some of the high-level players that earned you a spot on the roster. So I'm looking to see they could easily do the, quote, boring thing and just run out there with you know, two receivers, Jimmy Graham, a fullback and a running back, and just run everything very basic. And they could do that, and that's very possible. But if they don't do that, I'm looking to see who the other guys are. Geronimo Allison, Jake Kumaro, Darius Shepard, if Trevor Davis is able to play, which seems unlikely at this point. But guys like that, who's getting reps with the starting quarterback? Because ultimately on offense, that's what's going to matter the most. And, you know, Jacob, I, and those are – that's very true. And, you know, I, I, I believe, and I'm sure you agree with this, and you kind of alluded to it, that – the entire reason why Jake Kumaro was even around last year in the regular season and even this year is because of what he did during training camp during the preseason. So as boring, well, I shouldn't say boring, but as as sloppy and as difficult as some of these preseason games may be to watch, I know everybody just wants regular season football, but it's not like they're meaningless. And a lot of what you said there with who gets first team reps those are important things and you know we've talked all off season about outside of Devonte Adams we know Devonte Adams is guaranteed locked to make the team and while there's you know pretty good feeling about who some other guys are that's going to make the team especially at wide receiver there's a lot up in the air and i mean like you said Darius Shepard is somebody that's been talked about a lot since the last preseason game. And so that whole preseason game is why he is being talked about right now and why everybody's so hyped about him is because of what he did in the preseason game. So, um, yeah, just first-team reps, very important. Now, Jacob, I I do want to get your take on this. I I was thinking about this, and, you know, we we talk about how preseason, it's important, but it's not. It's important for some of these young players to get reps. It's important to knock some rust off. And it's also important that you don't get your players hurt and that these games are meaningless and they don't actually they don't count for anything other than who's getting injured and maybe finding somebody uh, a diamond in the rough, so to speak. But I was wondering, you know, the Packers won their first preseason game. And we're so used to, over the last 30 years, the Packers just being so good between having Aaron Rodgers, having Brett Favre at quarterback. We're so used to them being so good that it just it seems natural. It seems very normal to see a game at Lambeau Field and to watch the Packers come away with a win, even if it's in preseason and the game doesn't mean anything. But is there anything to be said about... That was Matt LaFleur's first game as an NFL head coach. It didn't mean anything as far as wins and losses in the regular season goes, but it was his first game as an actual NFL head coach. And 
I'm wondering, is there anything that's just good about winning that game, even though it doesn't affect the standings, it doesn't mean anything because it's preseason, is there anything for Matt LaFleur to say, hey, I made it through my first NFL game as a head coach, even though it's preseason, and we got the win? Is there anything to that, or is that just, again, more overblown stuff that doesn't matter? I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. It's kind of house money uh, because, you know, teams are – Obviously, if you lose, you can just play it off as well. The game doesn't matter. It doesn't count. But if you win, there's an old, I think it was Huckleberry Finn said, I like to wake up in the morning and cuss just to get that taste in my mouth. And that's kind of how it is. You get that taste of victory that way. And I'm sure that um, the the Packers and Matt LaFleur specifically, there's jitters for everybody. There's first game jitters for guys like Darnell Savage and Rashawn Gary and the rookies and like that. I'm sure. It's that way for the head coach as well. To Matt LaFleur's credit, ever since his first time at the podium, when he was introduced as the head coach, I haven't noticed any bit of nerves. Now, here's the thing. He could bomb as a head coach. Matt LaFleur could be one of the worst hires in the of the Packers franchise. He could also be the next Vince Lombardi. We don't know. But I can tell you, that he seems like a guy who's very calm, he's in control, he's collected and confident in who he is and what he's going to make for this team. So I imagine that's something that is carried over to the locker room and the players that are working with him on a day-to-day basis. Now, to answer the question, at the end of the day, does it really matter? Is it going to matter? If the Packers go 11-5, and are they going to look back at the first game of the preseason and go, man, that's where it turned? No. If they go 6-10, and 10, they're not going to go back to that and go, man, where did it all go wrong? But learning how to win for somebody trying to establish a new culture, and quite frankly, think about it, guys. First and second year players on this team have not tasted winning. The Packers have been poor for the last two years. So some of those guys do need to learn how to win, and that is an art that takes place. It's hard to learn how to win. There are certain things that, and it's why the Patriots are so annoying because not only do they know how to win, but they do it to absolute perfection. There's one thing, you know, every single time you go into Foxborough or the Patriots are coming into your building, you have to beat them because they will not beat themselves and do all the little things to win. And I think that's something that, you know, the Packers are going to have to learn how to do. And it can't be a bad thing that they won their first game. It's never a bad thing if you win. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was, I had a lot of the same same thoughts, you know, just learning how to win, getting that first win. It's got to feel good for Coach LaFleur to have that under his belt. It may seem normal to a lot of us, like I said, that, you know, it's at Lambeau and it's the Packers and you just expect wins. But, you know, new coach, it's uh, it's good to see that he was able to get that, that win right away. So, Jacob, want to shift gears here quick before we wrap up. So um, I know you have a piece coming out today. Um, you kind of projected a 53-man roster if you were in charge of making the roster. So I want to give you a few minutes to talk about that because I know you had some um, – some roster moves that maybe not everybody's going to agree with. So tell us a little bit about this piece that you wrote and, uh, and as well where, where people can find it and read it. Yeah. So I, I don't normally like to pimp my own stuff, but I, I thought this was a cool exercise. You know, a lot of people do their projections based on what they think the team will do. Uh, I did this based on 
what I would do if I were the general manager. And it was something interesting today because Brian Gutekunst had his press conference and he was talking about how he doesn't necessarily want to take three best players, quote unquote. He wants to take the 53 players that make the best team. So that's a little shift from your typical general manager speak. So it's something I tried to do. Uh, you can find this story, Dairyland Express uh, from Fansided will tweet this out um, today at some point. And I will also retweet it. So at Jake Westendor, if you can find it there on Twitter, uh, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I share all my stuff there as well. Uh, really anything that you can think of as far as where I can share some of that stuff. But uh, I, what I did was, yeah, like you said, Nick, I um, took it as the approach of if I were Brian Gutekunst, this is how I would build my roster. So there are a few things in here that are probably going to come across as controversial and that's okay. Uh, that's going to be the case regardless of anybody who's in that chair. I mean, Ted Thompson, Ron Wolf, name your person. doesn't matter. Uh, those guys all had, I mean, Ted Thompson, one of his last training camps cut Josh Sitton without any of us even thinking that that would happen. So it's, um, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting exercise to go through. Cause you really look at, you know, certain numbers in certain spots. It's a cool thing. I'm not pretending that be a general manager or anything like that, but it just is a little fun to, to look at. So the first bit, uh, I only kept two quarterbacks. I kept uh, Aaron Rodgers surprise and I kept Deshaun Kaiser. And I've been pretty adamant about this throughout the offseason that I didn't think Tim Boyle was going to beat out Deshaun Kaiser. I think that even if Boyle did quote unquote beat him, I don't think the Packers will move on from Kaiser. Uh, but again, as a reminder, this isn't something that I think they will do. Uh, this is what I, I would do. And I think Kaiser is a better player. I think it's funny um, Nick, I think we were talking about this last week, how I think people come to their own conclusions that they want to come to uh, in in looking at players and evaluating players. There's somebody, for example, one of my friends has been like adamant for three years that he doesn't like Cam Newton from the Carolina Panthers. And he said, I was watching All or Nothing on Amazon and Cam Newton looks like an even bigger douchebag or whatever phrase he used. And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's really easy to come to that conclusion when that's the conclusion you want to come to. So I think that the conclusion a lot of people have wanted to come to this preseason is that Kaiser sucks and that Tim Boyle uh, can beat him out. And I just, I don't think that's happened. And I, I'm not saying Boyle didn't play well on Thursday, but from what I saw in camp, I think Kaiser did a good job. on. Uh, he played really well on Thursday night. Uh, I think that for, again, for example, on this note, the touchdown pass that Deshaun Kaiser threw last week. I am a believer, and I can't prove this, but I'm a believer that if Tim Boyle had made that play, we would have talked about his poise, stepping up in the pocket, and delivering a catchable pass to Darius Shepard and making a play outside of the system. When Kaiser threw it, it was he threw a hospital ball and could have gotten Darius Shepard killed. I just think those little things are, are a little funny. So I only kept two quarterbacks. I frankly don't think there needs to be three quarterbacks on the roster because – if the backup or the third string quarterback have to play, the Packers are probably screwed anyways. Uh, and that's the case regardless on, for the most part, I mean, I know everybody looks at that one year where Nick Foles, Case Keenum played in the AFC or the, excuse me, the NFC championship game and says, well, see, like a backup doesn't have to ruin your season. And no, it doesn't. But for almost any other team in the NFL, it would have. So that was why I only kept two quarterbacks. Nick, before I move on, did you have a take on that? 
On what? You only keeping two quarterbacks? On anything I said about keeping two quarterbacks, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I it's I, I agree. It really what you should be looking for in a backup quarterback, especially when Aaron Rodgers is your starting quarterback. Your backup quarterback should be a person that if Aaron Rodgers has to miss anywhere from two to four games, your backup should be able to go five hundred. If Aaron Rodgers is missing five plus games, like obviously you want a good backup, but the reality is if Aaron Rodgers has to miss five plus games, it probably doesn't matter how good or bad your backup quarterback is because it's probably not good enough to save the season. So, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, some people look at three quarterbacks as a wasted roster. I think for this year, I personally would just keep three because I think Kaiser is good enough, and I think that uh, Tim Boyle is good enough to keep around for one more year. But if they only stick with two, I'm not going to see a problem with it. But again, really, when you're looking at the backup quarterback position, it should be your starter misses two to four games. Can your backup go 500? If the answer is yes, you're you're fine. If the answer is no, then you need to start looking for something else. Right, and I I mean – on my end, I, I just really struggle to believe that they would trade a player that was a starter like Demarius Randall and then move on from him just one season later. But again, that's what they would do. Still what I would do. I think Kaiser's a better player than Tim Boyle. I know that's not a popular opinion to have on Packers Twitter or on the Pack a Day podcast, but that's how I feel. That's what I've evaluated. I just I don't see the the wow, I guess, with Tim Boyle. I think there's a lot of cool things that he does and some good stuff he does for a third-string quarterback, but it's for a third-string quarterback. So that's how that was. Running backs and fullback, I kept four between those. Three running backs, no surprises. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Dexter Williams, and Danny Vitale. Something the Packers may have to do if Jamal Williams' hamstring injury persists into the regular season is they may have to keep Trey Carson or – one of the other running backs on the roster for a little while, just because Williams is nicked up like that. Um, and that's starting to become a little bit of a worry. Uh, uh, I will say this when I was at practice on Sunday for somebody with a hamstring issue, Jamal Williams, dance moves were still pretty impressive during the, the music session of the show. Oh, so maybe he's uh, close to getting back, but we don't know. Uh, Vitaly is another one. I know there's been some discussion of keeping another fullback, uh, I tweeted the other day, if they keep two fullbacks, two fullbacks, everybody needs to be fired. I think that's a waste of a roster spot, quite frankly. Uh, The second one, the first one I understand keeping. Wide receivers is where it gets a little more interesting. So I kept Devontae Adams, MVS, EQ, Hit Kumaro, Darius Shepard, and Trevor Davis. So I kept six receivers. I think... Davis's speed is an elite trait that could set him apart from some of the other guys. Darius Shepard is a prototypical receiver the Packers don't have at this point in time. Kumaro, go ahead and serve me the crow. I'm, I'm ready to concede that battle. He just, unless something drastically changes here in the next two weeks, I can't see him not making the roster at this point in time. Nick is smiling, so that's pretty funny uh, beside the point. But Devontae Adams, duh. MVS and EQ, duh. Uh, they just drafted those guys a season ago. So, Jamon Moore, uh, talented player. I just don't know how when Darius Shepard and Kumaro have come in and outperformed him, how as a coach when you're trying to establish new culture and earning everything and blah, 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 how you can do that 
and then turn around and give a player a spot essentially because he was drafted in the fourth round, which is what the Packers would have to do at that point in time. And there's a, there's a new thought that is kind of circulating around Twitter and something I've thought about for a little while, just that Jake Kumaro and Geronimo Allison are kind of the same sort of player in that they, they don't have the upside of an elite athlete. Uh, they don't have, Really, I mean, none of those guys are going to turn into potential stars. And I'm not saying MBS and EQ or Shepard or Davis or the other guys that I kept instead of him would. Uh, I just think that Kumaro has played better uh, at this point. If you're going to keep one of those guys, keep one. You could really interchange those two guys. But Kumaro has played better at this point. Uh, Shepard, like I mentioned. And then Davis, I think, I still think he's a really good returner. Some of this is projecting that he'll eventually be healthy because you can't make the club in the tub, as the saying goes. But – I would like to see him, and he made plays in the offense before he got hurt in pads, which has been something that has been an issue with him. It's either been inconsistency within without the pads or, or with the pads on, excuse me, or the injuries, and right now it's injuries. But if he can get healthy, I think those are the six receivers uh, that I would keep around. So, Nick, I'll move. I'll, tight ends is easy. So before I move to offensive linemen, any take on my receiver room? Mm, I mean – other than I, I'm extremely happy that uh, Jay Kumo seems to be getting a roster spot. Um, I, I I agree with most of it. I think um, just l- like we talked about a little bit, uh, Darius Shepard, somebody to keep an eye on. I I don't I just don't foresee him making the roster. Just everything in front of him, but he's definitely somebody that uh, could be a potential dark horse to make the roster. I don't think the li- the likelihood of him making the team I don't think is very great, but uh, he'll be someone that that'll be fun to watch for the next three weeks. Uh, so make sure that you're looking out for him. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, like I said, this is this is who I would keep. So I mean, maybe I'm drinking the Kool Aid a little too early on Darius Shepard. But I just think that he gives the Packers something different. They don't have that prototypical Randall Cobb, Julian Edelman type slot receiver, and I think he would give them that. Offensive line, uh, the first thing is the caveat. I said I would start Elton Jenkins at left guard, but David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, Billy Turner, Brian Balaga, no surprises there. Behind them, I have Alex Light as the swing tackle, Justin McCray, Lucas Patrick, and Lane Taylor. Uh, Justin McCray and Lucas Patrick, quite frankly, have outplayed Cole Madison to this point in time. Uh, and I think that Patrick is, he's always somebody that I've liked as a center prospect. He's played okay there when he's had his opportunities and, and the Packers, I mean, Elton Jenkins could probably be their backup center if Corey Lindsley goes down, but then you're kind of playing musical chairs in that regard. Uh, so I think that if Lindsley goes down for an extended period of time, you can plug Patrick and he's played the best uh, at center and has had the most ability in regards to snapping the ball, which isn't just as simple as, you know, come in and hike the ball, <laughs> snap it up to your butt and go from there or snap it out of shotgun. As you've seen, there's been some issues uh, with that throughout camp. Lane Taylor was somebody who, if they make him a backup, a lot of people have said, Oh, just cut him, you know, just save the, save the cap space. But really, I mean, if you're looking at the backup offensive lineman that I kept, let's just say you cut Lane Taylor then and keep Cole Madison. Alex Light, Justin McCray, Lucas Patrick, Cole Madison. You're talking not a lot of experience, not a lot of guys that you trust. And, you know, the other thing is, I know this is ridiculous and I get mad when people say these things, but if Brian Balaga gets hurt, and that is more likely of a when than it is an if, Billy Turner is going to kick out to right tackle, and you can just seamlessly plug in Lane Taylor, who's been an NFL starter for the last two seasons. Did he play well last year? No, but... 
He has played well when he was healthy. The reason I don't have him starting is because, well, if I'm the general manager in this case, I just picked a guard in the top 50. I would hope that he would start uh, over somebody like that. So keeping Lane Taylor around, I think, would be smart, even if he's not the starter. Just give you that veteran backup. You keep him for one more year, you cut him in the offseason, or I think his contract actually expires this offseason, if I'm not mistaken. So, And really, I mean, the, what, $3 million or whatever that you'd save in the salary cap, that's just not worth it. I know it's it's very popular for Packers fans to sit around here and say, oh, you know, if we cut Mason Crosby and we cut Lane Taylor, we can you know, save 7 or $8 million or whatever it is against the cap. As I said when they cut Mike Daniels, cap space is not the name of a player. So cap space, quote-unquote, doesn't really help you in terms of 2019. And at this point, they're doing everything to win in 2019 right now. So unless that cap space is going towards a trade for Jadeveon Clowney, uh, see, no need to do that. And no, guys, the Packers aren't trading for Jadeveon Clowney before I get too far down that rabbit hole. So that was my bid on offense. Um, I kept – I said I kept four tight ends, duh, Jimmy Graham, Robert Tanya, Mercedes Lewis, Jay Sternberger. That seems pretty simple. Uh, so I kept 25 guys on offense. Any thoughts on the offensive line portion there, uh, Nick? Uh, I think I think most of that's pretty standard. Um, you know, I, 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 the whole Brian Belaga thing. I know we've talked about that in the past. I, you know, just let it be. It's hard to find good left tackles, um, and especially if your only reason for cutting him is due to injuries and saving cap space. That's not a good enough reason to cut a starting tackle in the NFL. So, Jacob, now if people want to, we went through the offensive side of the ball here. People want to check out the defensive side of the ball of your takes of who you would keep. One more time, how can they find that article? Yeah, it'll be at Dairyland Express on Fanside, and then I'll retweet it throughout the course of the day at Jacob Westnorf. So, yeah, check it out. See how I feel on defense or yell at me about how I did on offense. I don't know. Find something. <laughs> well, you know, Jacob, you know people on Twitter. Somebody's going to find something that they don't like about what you put together because, uh, you know, putting together a 53-man roster is something that anybody can do. Um, so, um, but, yeah, make sure for defensive side of the – for defensive side of the ball, make sure you go and check out Jacob's article on that. Uh, if and again, this is looking through the lens of if Jacob were in Brian Gutekunst's spot, what he would do for putting together a roster, not necessarily what Brian Gutekunst is going to do. So, um, with that, we are out of time. Just a few quick things that I want to mention in here. Um, most of you probably have already seen this by now, but some good news for Green Bay Packers players right now. Um, Linebacker Oren Burks, uh, it's being reported that his injury does not need surgery to fix it. So that is good news in the sense that if he had to have surgery, uh, almost more than likely would have guaranteed an end of the season for him. Uh, It's considered day-to-day right now, but uh, that's probably week-to-week is probably a better way of putting that injury right now. But uh, we'll see where his season goes from here. Uh, it's you know as more information comes out, you know we'll be sure to keep you up to date with that. So good news in the sense that he doesn't need surgery. The unknown part of it right now is just exactly when he'll be able to come back this year, if at all. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. And uh, Jacob, I know we're excited for the game tomorrow. Lots of things to be paying attention for, uh, and I'm sure you will be tweeting during the game. People can follow you on Twitter. How do they do that? 
Yeah, it's at Jacob Westendorf, and yeah, I do tweet pretty pretty frequently during the preseason. I will let you guys know <laughs> uh, because the first game of the season, Kadar Holman got an interception, and I tweeted in all caps that Kadar was better than Jair. Uh, and some people took me seriously. So, guys, just so you know, I love football, and the preseason is what it is, and I find it to be fun in its own way. But I do have to find ways to entertain myself during some of these games. So, yes, I do say a lot of ridiculous things during these games, so just bear with me. So take it, take it with a grain of salt. So, um, and so make sure you're following Jacob on Twitter. It's a, it's a fun follow. And as I'm sure he is going to mention here in a minute, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at sports Schmitty. Uh, but as Jacob likes to point out my future wife at Annie Lincoln held much better follow than I am. So, uh, make sure to follow my future wife too. We're talking like Saturday. Yeah. That's like, like, three uh, days from now, so. like, yeah, three, four days, something like that. So, um, yeah, so that's that's internal screams. Uh, anyway, no, I am very excited. I am very excited. So I'm just one of those people, Jacob. I don't like having attention on me. So my wedding day is going to be just stress for me because I don't like having people look at me. But that's not anything that any of our listeners care about. So uh, with that, last thing here quick, guys. Um, Make sure, I'm sure many of you are already doing this, but if you aren't already, make sure you go to Twitter, find at Packaday Podcast, follow at Packaday Podcast on Twitter to make sure that you can stay up to date on all the latest Packers news and Packaday Podcast episodes that are being released daily. And um, also, with that, make sure that wherever you are listening to us on your podcasting platform, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing there as well so you can stay up to date on – well, I mean, you don't really need to stay up to date because they come out daily, but make sure you're doing it anyway. So with that, we are out of time for today, guys. Tomorrow, preseason game number two in Baltimore. We're all very excited, and uh, we'll have plenty of reaction during the game from all of our contributors um, except for maybe me, I don't know if I'll be able to uh, watch the game as I will be getting ready for a wedding. Anyway, with that, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And like I said, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing on Twitter and on your favorite podcasting platform. And with that, everyone, as always, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!